Hey, it's going to be 100 years of that. Henrietta uh, Lobster with me, uh, who's the editor of Hey, it's Henrietta, good chatting to you. Hi. Hi, Oscar. Thank you. Thank you for having us on your show. Absolutely. Right. So I was, I picked up, it's interesting, I, I uh, what alerted me, and you may be pleased to know this, of course, what alerted me to the magazine was that you had Rolling Strauss on the cover, right? And I wondered, like, what's the fuss? And so I think there's a natural tie-up between where she is in her life now, post-Miss uh, South Africa and Miss World, uh, in terms of yes. her medical career, and you using her as that uh, as part of your 100, 100-year celebration. But immediately I said, a hundred years for Heiskanot, I cannot believe it. So, so let's talk about that, you know, in terms of where the, the story of Heiskanot. Maybe take me back to why is it a hundred years? Because there's been some name changes over the period of time, right? Yes. Um, well, the first issue appeared on the 20th of May, 1916. And it only had 26 pages then and cost a sixpence. And it was still called the Heiskanot, the Dutch version. Mm-hmm. And it was only a monthly magazine. And then the following year, it actually became the Heisgenoot. And in the 70s somewhere, it, it became just Heisgenoot. Um, so only from, from 1923, it was a weekly magazine. And only by 1963, actually, um, some of the pages were printed in color for the first time. And so it evolved over the years until the, the current um, format. But, but, but Heisgenoot, as it's called, because I mean, even Der Heisgenoot is still Heisgenoot, right? But Heisgenoot as itself has been called that for how many years now? Just Heisgenoot? Yeah, since the early 70s, around 1993. Right. I mean, that, that's, that's, that's still quite a long time anyway, right? So isn't it incredible that the magazine's been around for 100 years? Yes, it is. It's just um, the, the biggest privilege to be part of this milestone. Um, and we also um, published a freestanding commemorative um, uh, issue, uh, actually a, a book almost. <laughs> it was so thick. It took us 15 months to compile. And just going back through the history and seeing how all of this evolved, it, it just made you feel so humble to be part of this. So how, how has the magazine then evolved from what it was 100 years ago to what it is now? Well, when it first started out, the mandate was to provide Afrikaans people with inspiration and information and entertainment, which they desperately needed at the time, after the Anglo-Bull War and, you know, there was a big depression in the 1930s and so on, and also to promote the Dutch language and the development of Afrikaans. But throughout the decades, the emphasis shifted depending on the zeitgeist. Mm -hmm. And, of course, the, the magazine was also influenced by history, um, for instance, during those early years, it was often called a poor man's university. People were still in big need of education and they were struggling economically. But after the Second World War, a more prosperous and relaxed time followed and people wanted more glamour and entertainment instead of education. But the big shift, of course, came in the 1970s when television arrived on our shores. Mm, mm. Um, at first, it was a big threat to the magazine and it impacted on our circulation. But then our editor at the time decided to embrace it, and it was then that the current success recipe was established uh, with its mixture of news and glamour. Okay, we'll find out we'll about that recipe as well. By the way, chatting to Henriette, uh, Henriette Lobster, the editor of Heiskenut, 100 years of Heiskenut. By the way, do you read 
the magazine. How often do you read it? Uh, what does it do for you? Is it a what I'd call a brand win or a brand fail? I know it's incredibly popular, so I understand. Uh, and if you do read it, why is it that you read it? What is it that uh, gets you to actually physically pick up a copy of Heiskenwert and buy it and take it home and read when you have other options as well? So you, you spoke, Henriette, about, about options, right? Or rather the, the point that there was a, a, a period... Uh, about 20 odd years ago or maybe even slightly longer way where Heiskunut had to make a key decision because you were losing ground and you were failing rapidly, right? Yes, yeah, that, that was when, when, when TV came, you know. At first it was free, but then the editors at the time decided to embrace it um, because it created new stars and celebrities and our market wanted to read everything about these people. Um, so, and then actually big circulation jumps followed. Um, it was... One stage, 100,000 a year that we grew at that stage. So, so you grew, and, and now let's talk about Heiskenwood now. So what, what, in terms of readership, what, you know, sales actual and then readership, uh, where, where does it stand right now? Yeah, so, so for, for, for the past almost 40 years, we've been the biggest selling magazine in the country, and we still are. Um, we, sell, we sell about 250,000 per week, and we've got 1.9 million readers a week. Um, but of course, we are under pressure as per media um, worldwide have the same problem uh, with the digital migration and also economically, you know, our readers suffer economically. So all of that does put pressure on print at the moment. So, so let's, call, let's get it right. You said 200,000 per week sales and 1.9 million readers. Have I got that right? Yes, that's correct. Which means what? Do you, ten, 10 people are reading one magazine, even more so. Yeah, yes. Wow. How, how does that compare to other magazines? I mean, does that well, please you or does that concern you? I mean, would you rather have more, less people reading a magazine, more people buying it, so you have, you know, maybe 500,000 <laughs> readers, uh, in this case, yes, buyers? Yeah. Yes, obviously you want sales. Um, but it is, it's good to know that it's still the premium of a Khan's brand. And that so many people read the magazine, and we understand it with, with economic realities that people will, you know, one person will buy the magazine and give it to other family members. That's just the reality of the situation. Mm. How? So, so let's then talk about the content recipe that you have now, and obviously, by and large, it's working. Right? Tell me about that. Yeah, so it's basically a combination of, of the news of the week, and what we try to do is we want to give people the story behind the story. Um, the, the doctor uh, last year with the Paris terror attack told me that he said to his friends, um, he will read everything nice from it on Friday. So that's what we try to do. You know, we want to give the definitive package of the big news events of the, of the week. And then there's also, of, of course, a, a very heavy dose of advice and guidance. Um, helping our people to make sense of their work and, and to guide them through life. And then the glamour and entertainment, which is also an important part of the mix, and the lifestyle like decor and health and beauty. So it's, it's, it's something for the whole family. Now, what are the challenges then you're facing right now? I think the big challenge is the same as, as for, for print media worldwide, and that is that our print income still by far exceeds our digital income. So you have to keep your print product healthy and profitable for as long as possible, but at the same time you have to position yourself for a digital future. 
No, our um, strategy has always been, and I think it's, it's been very clever, that we've never put any of our print content online for free. And we still don't do that. Um, we rather create fresh content every day for our um, website. And we try to, what, what we have in print, to make that as exclusive and special as possible, content that you can't find anywhere else. So I try to explain it to, to, to my um, team in the following way, that it's like a parent with two children, uh, print and digital, and to love both children equally, but they have different personalities and you have to treat them differently. And at the moment, if a packet of sweets come, comes along and, and both children want the same sweet or the same scoop, the oldest child will still be able to choose first, you know, so the, the print will still get to school because that is where the money is. Mm. Okay, um, and that, that's an important question. Is print where the money is versus online? If, if, your, uh, if your product is slightly different, because as you said, your content is not the same, are you then in a position now where the online is generating uh, the type of revenues that, uh, that suggests that you actually have two completely different platforms? Or I'd, either way, as you said, preparing for a digital future, it doesn't matter when people migrate because... They are there, and you're already earning money from that side. Yeah, no, I, I mean, the, the digital income by far is nowhere where the print income is. Um, we've only started really um, going aggressively digitally, but we have very um, high targets digitally as well, but it will take time. So it's that in-between phase of the in-between print and digital that's where the big challenge lies. Hmm. What about... When you say big challenge, are you concerned, when you say you prepare for a digital future from, from a high school point of view, are you concerned that, in fact, we will be talking past tense about a magazine in, whatever, 10 years, 15 years, 5 years, perhaps, where we, where we don't have a paper magazine at all? Um, there, there might come a time where, where there isn't a paper magazine anymore. But in my mind, there is absolutely no question that we will be around, even for another 100 years, as a brand because we are, st- we are so entrenched in our market. And we talk to them in many different ways. I mean, we've got a Gateway to Space exhibition at the moment um, in Johannesburg with our sister magazine, You and Drum. We're making a movie with Cagnet Films. We have TV shows on our sister channel, VR. So in every conceivable way, we are taking our brand and we are you know, talking to our audience in many different ways. Um, and, you know, digitally there are a lot of... Um, you, you won't have that, that print um, cost and the, and the distribution cost. So there are, are many positive things about migrating to digital. No, and I've, I've got no question in my mind that the brand will be around for many, many years. What about, you know, so it's, it's an Afrikaans new a magazine. Is it a magazine still for, by and large, Afrikaners or Afrikaans-speaking people who are not necessarily Afrikaners? Yeah, it, um, well, it is, but we've also got 13% black readers, for instance. Um, of course, 34% colored readers as well. Um, big African so virtually half, half your uh, readers are not your, your traditional white readers that would have represented the core exactly. of the magazine. Yeah. Yes. Does it, has that happened because of uh, particular targeting of them, or has it happened generically without even intending it? Yeah, I think it happens generically, and we are a... a, a Proudly South African brand, you know, we, we embrace uh, the South African values, and I think that, that does um, spill over into other markets. Mm.
Now, what about U Magazine? I mean, U, U Magazine, in fact, is, a, is an, I would think it's an offshoot of Hayes Convert. It's, it's picked up on the success of Hayes Convert and then created an English version. Uh, the stories are not the same, but, but often there are, there are similarities, right? Talk to me about that relationship. Yes, so we literally sit next to each other, the two editors, and we share the same team, you know, in many ways. And the middle part of the magazine, which is the lifestyle part, that is the same. The news sections have become increasingly different over the years because of the markets becoming more different. Um, but, you know, we, share, we still share a lot of content. Mm, that's interesting. What, what, any, any further points you may wish to bring up? Just just one last point or two about it is going to be. Um, I think, yeah, we, we've, we've celebrated this milestone in various ways. Um, Karen Zoyt has wrote a special song for us called Barbas Yai or Where Were You? Um, and she says we're the, the most honest magazine in the country, and that's why we've been around for 100 years, because we tell life as it is. We tell about the ups and downs, warts and all. And I think there is a real need for that kind of authenticity and, you know, not being a pretentious magazine. I think that that is very much part of High School's DNA and um, that is what made us successful. Okay, well, that's that's where we're going to leave it. Maybe who's on your cover right now, the latest cover? Sure, I'm, I'm already into the next one. <laughs> <laughs> all right. <laughs> the one that, that came out on Friday, I still got in and the Afrikaans singer and his wife are expecting a little boy. Okay. So, um, and, and, and that's typical what, what drives you, right? Well, I'll tell you what, maybe if you can, maybe tweet some key takeouts from this discussion uh, so I can share it about just why Heiskenwert works 100 years on Henriette Lobster, the editor of Heiskenwert. Let, let's wrap up then just some quotes from uh, the Muhammad Ali one-liners that I've asked about. Farah Osman saying, he wrote the shortest poem ever. Do you know that? It's called Me, We.